The most common archetype we see is the people who think that more communication and more documentation will make things better. There's another that's almost running in the other direction where everybody's trying to operate on very little. And what's interesting is both of those will say communication is the problem. I want to acknowledge that at some level they're right, but the frame that they're looking at the world through is wrong. Welcome back to Building Better Games. Communication is the single most cited problem from leaders we speak to in game studios. No doubt you've run into some communication problems yourself at your studio. Weird thing though, Ben and I rarely cite that as a big issue when people ask us what problems we've encountered or when we do consulting work with studios ourselves. What the heck is going on there? Do you feel like the communication within your studio or team is lacking? Do you run into a lot of confusion between teams due to access or non-access to certain types of information? Why does communication matter and what can we do to improve it? We talk a lot about the state of communication, but rarely discuss why it's important or what we need to be communicating in the first place. That's what we're going to dig into here today. This is even more critical now where, in our remote world, our traditional methods have become more strained than ever. Thanks for joining us. This one was interesting. I read when you wrote in the intro bit, the most common problem. And you know how me, I'm always like caveating and I have to be like, wait, is that truly accurate and all these things? And I was like, oh, that is totally accurate. And it's not just that when we go into a studio that this is one of the most common refrains that comes up. It's also when we're talking to random producers and leaders out there, there's this idea that like, I mean, you literally have a document with something like 100 citations, right? From random conversations with, by the way, a consistent rubric. Yeah. Same question asked, same question asked every time. It's the same question asked to all 100 people or whatever it is. And this is like, I felt like it was like 40% or something crazy like that. It was by far and away the biggest thing yes. that came up. And I also want to call out, and I think you were one of the first people that I've heard really speak about this, that this idea of like communication is the problem, is it like it annoys you when you hear this because there's this lack of specificity to what that means. And you're like, well, we just need to communicate better. And there's this response, which is like, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's also another piece to this, too, which is that you and I, and I think most of the people, including the ones that are concerned about that, such as it is, have been in environments where there was actually massive amounts of communication happening, yet the same core problem still existed. That's the thing that makes me nervous. I sometimes can get a little anticipating, right, when I hear people saying, well, our organization, we just our communication is really bad. Like whenever we're releasing a patch, you know, everyone's all over the place and confused. And if we could just get our communication right, we'd be so much better at this. And, and it's not to say that that's wrong, but where I start to freak out is like, I'm like, oh God, we're about to go into a conversation about how we need more documentation and how we need more right. meetings and how we need more bureaucracy and more reports and more plans. And eventually if the communication in heavy quotes gets bad enough, now all of a sudden we got 
big senior manager type people who are coming in and being like, well, we're just going to make everybody fill out this report. That'll solve the communication issue. And I I just, I see that playing out in my head. And that's what agitates me about it. Because I think you and I have spent so much of our careers just tearing that crap down. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I honestly... That might be the natural metamorphosis stage of the, the cocoon evolving or whatever is to go to a, like the hyper bureaucracy hell. But like, I think you and I have spent more time actually trying to remove, pull people out of bureaucratic yeah. hell. So I worry that it's like it's that scenario, like gestating is is the concern. I love how you called out, too, because this is another thing that I'll see and I'll see experienced folks talk about the idea of, you know, we do documentation really well here. And I believe there is a way to do documentation really well. I believe some documentation is very important. There's always this thing, though, where I'm left wondering, I can't remember where I heard this from. There was someone who originally said this. There is a massive amount of right only communication that happens, right? You know, and coming back to like the old CD-ROMs where you have like read only media or whatever. There's this idea that I write something, it is only ever written, it is never ever read, but the fact that I wrote it means I did my job. Or that it's good, that it's a good thing. It's a good thing because I, I wrote it. And for me, when I hear about the, we do a great job with documentation, one of the things I always want to ask is, does anybody read it? Because if the answer is no, then I disagree with your premise. And by the way, there probably is an organization out there that does a really good job with documentation that writes it and people read it and they collaborate around it and they figure it out. Those are the minority. In fact, I would say the extreme minority of cases. You made me realize something else, too, because I'm writing these work systems newsletters now. And like you've got me deep, Ben, on like work systems and thinking about like cha-ching. It's great, actually. And there's this constant idea. One of the, the phrases that I've heard you utter many times is like if everyone were perfectly aligned. And, and to get more specific about what that means, like if everyone knew what the goal was in crystal clarity, like the North Star that we're all walking toward, whether that be like the perfect product or whatever, and everyone knew exactly what they should do right now to serve that objective, we wouldn't need documentation or process or any of any of the functional tools that we use to maintain communication, like be on the same page you know, collaborate, like none of that would be necessary. Like if we had some magic wand, we could wave. And I think what that helps me remember is that things like documentation are only serving that end. Exactly. And so to your point, actually, what I would love to hear an organization that doesn't write any documentation because they do such a great job collaborating or has very little documentation because they do a uh, such a great job collaborating to say we do a great job with documentation. Yes. That would be my definition of doing a great job right. with documentation, right? And I think that's where when I hear people say, well, we need to document more. Again, the question, do people read the documents you create now? Will people read the documents that you would create? Is the problem with documentation isn't I need more of it because we're scaling now and our organization is bigger than it used to be. And when we were five, we could all just sit in the room and collaborate. But now we're 50 or 100 or 400 and we need some way to scale and communicate and all these things. And so much of that is true, but the answer doesn't have to be so what we need is more documentation. Yeah. 
what we need is to transmit more information, right? You know, was it you I was talking about the idea of like blame? What documentation often, I feel like one of the ways it functions in organization is we do documentation so that when somebody doesn't do something that we put in a document they were supposed to read or we sent in an email or whatever. Or they say, I don't know. Like, yeah. I didn't, no one told me. No one told me this. We're like, yeah, I put it in the documentation. I uh -huh. sent you an email. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now we know. <laughs> now we know who to blame. And again, I'm not saying everybody out there doing documentation. That's the outcome. Isn't that interesting? By the way, back to your read-write thing that you mentioned earlier. Isn't that fascinating that we almost always blame the reader in that scenario? Like, like the writer has plausible deniability by virtue of having written. That's right. And the reader is automatically blamed, whether they read it and didn't understand it or they didn't read it or whatever. Right. Like no one ever questions that if no one is reading, that there's a deeper problem. This is funny, actually, when I hear leaders assessing the way, how they break down, well, who's responsible for this? Yeah. They'll latch on to, well, the team A, they did write the des design document and they did send it to you. And you didn't really read it. You said you didn't read it. So I think it's kind of on you. And I'm like, well, at what point did team A take a step back and be like, I think we've sent four of these over and I think no one's reading it. I think maybe we need to like have a more direct conversation. Yes. This is something where, you know, along the lines of communication, if I ever had a direct report, you said, well, they didn't do this thing. And I'm like, okay, did they know they were supposed to do it? They're like, well, I sent them an email. I'm like, uh-huh, and <laughs> did you check that they received it? Did you get a response that it was acknowledged? Did you check it? It was important. Did you follow up or did you send an email and go, like you said, now it's on the reader because I sent, we get hundreds of emails a day in game development, some of us, many of us. Most of us, even in smaller companies, get dozens. Some get thousands. And you're telling me that you sent an email. What you're essentially communicating is that your priority was about abstaining your or, or clearing yourself of responsibility more so than it was solving the problem. Because when you, if you were really truly taking responsibility for solving the problem, that might be where you started, but that definitely wouldn't be where you ended. Exactly. Well, and this is where for me, you know, I, I'm like, okay, you, you kind of said like, maybe it tips five degrees in your favor. But as soon as I say, ah, but you're a leader in an organization, I'm like, whoop, like yeah. tipped way in their favor. If a direct report came to me and told that, I'd just be like, no, no, you need to go find their desk. You need to give them a call. You need to send them a Slack message or a Discord message. You need to, I don't care, find somebody that's close to their desk and talk to that person. Who's the backup that you would tell that could tell them? If this thing is important, then figure out a way to get your message over to them and have the potential conversation that might emerge from it. And when I hear people talk about communication, often does go to things like documentation. It often does go to things like, we're gonna send the report. And emails and all this exactly, stuff. Exactly, right? right? Yeah. Like it's gonna show up somewhere. And I just go, it's like, a, do you know why you're doing that? And when you're complaining about communication, are you taking ownership of what you need to communicate to your brother, or are you just shooting stuff out into the void and hoping the right people find it? Yeah, I think that we're really, what we're digging into right now is there's, part of the problem is that we are focusing on something that is symptomatic. Yes. We're focusing on 
communication. And when we more often than not, when I hear people talk about communication, they're talking about the transmission of information. And what we, you and I just illustrated in the email example is that the transmission of the information is the least important part. It's the response that it does or does not elicit. Correct. And how you follow up or don't follow up in response to that, that is where you get into the meat and potatoes of it. Like, let's be honest, like the email itself is meaningless. There's no meaning to that. The document itself is meaningless. The document doesn't solve anything. And I think that if we rest here on this part of the conversation for a second, and I look at all the different mediums like we use to transmit information within our game studios, I constantly see that confusion happening where it's like, the here is the design document. And there's this like deep internalized feeling of accomplishment because we made the 60 page design document and look at how detailed it is. And it has pictures and it does an analysis of four other games. And like, and I'm like, I'm not saying that I'm not proud of you for doing that designer. I'm not saying it's not impressive. I'm not saying you didn't learn something from doing it. But what I'm saying is the document in and of itself as an artifact is valueless outside of what choices people make when they read it. That is the key thing. I think that's principle number one here. And so I think it, you change the conversation very quickly when you stop talking about transmitting information and you start talking about, okay, what are the things that we actually really wish people would be doing more? Or what are the ways we wish they would behave differently? Because I think if you start asking those questions, all kinds of interesting things are going to come up. Yes. You go from, and this is when we talked about what makes a good producer, I had originally said like, hey, I think the two primary skill sets are leadership and communication. And you had, you kind of were like, I got a knee jerk response to communication, but let's dig into it. And we actually discovered what we're trying to say when we say communication is something more akin to influence. The purpose of communication has to be to change something. And that's an act of influence. Mm -hmm. So if I am anyone inside of an organization and I'm trying to formally or informally lead that organization towards the goal, when I communicate something, there's an outcome I want. What is that outcome? Mistakenly placing the value on the transmission as opposed to, like you said, the, exactly. the response. And yes. so actually now follows very easily, like how you can fall into the trap if you believe that the value is on the transmission. Yes. Like, and by the way, this is one of the classic management traps, right? Well, people seem to be not on the same page. So let's have a meeting. Right. Right. Like that's the same kind of idea where it's like, the meeting may or may not help. Well, if you're really bad at running meetings, it's definitely not going to help. And th this is what's so ironic, right? It's like, if we're really bad at communicating clearly currently with the transmissions we're already doing, and we're also really bad at eliciting meaningful responses from the recipients, then all we're going to do is make ourselves less likely to do either of those important things if we add more transmission on top of that. Exactly. Because all you're doing is just filling up your plate with more documents, more meetings, more reports. Then everyone's like, well, we don't even have time to talk about what matters anymore or think about what matters. And by the way, when I think about that, I go signal to noise. Yes. Signal to noise gets bad. One of the problems when you receive dozens or hundreds or thousands of emails in a day 
if you don't have a good way to filter through them, and I think you and I have both developed elaborate filtering systems when we were like senior leaders in organizations, because you just get so much stuff and you're like, sorry, all this whole set of people, I'm taking the risk that nothing you're ever going to send me is important. And you're going straight into the thing I look at once a year or something like that, like this bucket that just like, I don't really check because it's so hard for me to filter through all the information that is available. And in our world of big data and all these different things, it is the problem isn't the transmission of the information. It's what's actual signal and what's noise in that broad ecosystem. And when I'm overwhelmed with so much, you can understand why people check out of the system entirely and they just go, you know what? I'm not gonna participate in this communication overload. I'm just gonna go try to do something valuable. That's what I think it, it's it's scary in a different way because now it goes beyond, hey, you're focusing on the wrong thing. And now it's like, no, that thing you are focusing on is adding negative value. Yes. Like you're just piling so much stuff on everyone's plates in your effort to transmit as much or as effectively as you can, and in effect, making them all less likely to react to the thing you actually need or that they actually need. Yes. And, and I think that, that that we see that all the time because, and again, I'm not saying, you know, to your earlier point that maybe there's a studio out there where they're like, everyone's just ready to move and they know what the principles are and they know what the objectives are and they know the sort of framework for the yep. proper behaviors and culture. And all they really need is just the right information to come in to stimulate them to action. Like if that's your organization, I've never witnessed that before, but if that's your organization, just go ahead and take everything else we say, that's the caveat, right? Yeah. But what we tend to see actually is organizations that have leaned into a shocking amount of information transmission. And I think worth noting also that since the pandemic, this has gone up even more because I think when we talk about the root issues here that teams struggle with and talk about people struggling to understand what their responsibilities are, struggling to elicit the right action from a, a fellow team member or a fellow team, or to your point, fail to really be clear enough to let the other person know what action they want them to do in the first place, it becomes now even easier to justify transmitting more because, I mean, after all, we're all in different countries and different time zones. Obviously, yes. the thing we need to do more of is ferry information around more eff efficiently. The most common archetype we see is the people who think that more communication and more documentation will make things better. There's another that's almost running in the other direction where everybody's trying to operate on very little. And what's interesting is both of those will say communication is the problem. And I want to acknowledge that at some level they're right, but the frame that they're looking at the world through is wrong. And that's, by the way, being communicated out because communication is a inherently framed thing that happens. Like whenever you write an email, it has a framing. Whenever you send, when you write a document, all this stuff, it has a framing. And I guess what we're calling out, think about this, not through the lens of what's transmitted, but what's the influence you're trying to have? What's the problem you're trying to solve? What's the need for someone to know this? What's the decision you would like to be made? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there are toxic versions of that, too, where people go into like, well, everything's need to know. So if you don't need to know it, then we don't know. You can let information be available in documentation. Again, you should check to see if anybody's ever reading it before you, you know, do that every week for a year. But there's value in 
being transparent and open. And if someone comes and asks you telling them because uh, trusting that they probably need to know for some important reason, there is so much more information we can all consume, even in a very small game dev team than any of us has time for. And thinking consciously and deliberately about what is it that I need to know to do my job well? And if I'm a leader, what is it that I need the people that I'm leading to know? And how do I get them that? And if they go out and get other information that'll help them that I didn't realize, or if they ask me for help getting some information that I didn't realize would be helpful for them, great, all that's wonderful. But don't go into the just explosion of, okay, well now everything's documented. Well, now everything goes out in an email. Well now, because all it does is make it so that nobody really knows what's important. Nobody knows what to read, what to check or anything. And instead, if they aren't good at focusing, they're overwhelmed with useless information or they're checking out of the system entirely. And then they're, they're more likely to be working at cross purposes to the broader org. I want to take a quick break from the podcast. Over the last few years, producers have been asking Aaron and I, what's my role? What are the skills I should develop? How do I advance in my career? Game production is in a rough state. We're launching a course to help. It's called Succeeding in Game Production, What You Aren't Taught. Early feedback from our beta testers has been overwhelmingly positive, so we're moving into early access. If that's of interest, check it out in the show notes or head to buildingbettergames.gg and click course. Thanks. Let's get back to the podcast. There's this thing that struck me, and I'm curious what you think of this, that when we run into an organization, which is most of them, that complain that communication is bad, either there's too little or it's not good and there's a ton of it and whatever, it's like, well, we're bad at communicating. The thing that's underlying that is actually that there is a lack of collaboration. The problem is not communication, it's collaboration. And what's going on is everybody recognizes that collaboration is costly from a time perspective. Getting two people or four people or eight people or whatever in a room and going, hang on, what's important about what we're trying to do how are we going to work together to get it done? Who has what responsibility? How are we going to make sure and check in to make sure that we're learning or producing the experience or value that we're targeting? And you could say that, well, all that's happening is there's a bunch of communication. But the example you brought up about the game design document, you know, in the agile space, this is manifests as like the team or the product owner who's saying that, well, I wrote the user story. All the detail is there. I don't know why you need to talk to me. And there's this fundamental misunderstanding of the difference between communication and collaboration. Yes, you wrote the user story, or as the designer, yes, you made the game design doc. Yes, you said the thing. You said the thing. But what didn't happen yet is collaboration, clarification, conversation. Understanding. Exactly. Understanding. Really a group of people coming together around that thing and saying, okay, if this is the user story or this is the game design doc. Oh, I get what we're trying to do. Exactly. Yeah. This is what's important about it. This is how important it is compared to the other things we're doing. Got it. Now I can place this in a context. All of that, you can try to create like the perfect system and you, heavens knows people have tried where it's like, we'll have every single little, like there'll be a drop down menu for everything. So you can say how important it is and where it goes in the priority and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is sometimes you have to actually come together and talk about it and seek understanding with each other. And if you're the person bringing the idea, being open to the questions that come your way. So yeah. So anyway, there's this idea that I guess that just popped into my head, which is like so many 
of those organizations, I would say it was not a communication problem. It was a collaboration absence. And they were attempting to use communication to cover the fact that they weren't collaborating well, that they weren't aligned. They were like, well, maybe if we just all send the right information to the right people and receive the right information, then we won't actually have to do the alignment collaboration part because everyone will just know because they'll all read their email. And that is a, a failed strategy. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that's interesting, I didn't necessarily expect to come up here was the traps we often fall into with communication where it's like, one, we value communication where we feel like there's value in just communicating something. Yeah. There's other versions of this, too, that are not just like I made a design doc. Like, actually, I personally find that senior leadership or and uh, starting with middle management and going up to senior leadership struggles with this now that I'm reflecting more, I think, even than I think a lot of the junior leaders that reach out to us about this topic. I just think that we're so good at covering up our insecurities mm. around this stuff, like our ability to mask our inability to solve real problems with excessive amounts of communication and moving back and forth of data is astounds me sometimes. There's is two things. One, there's an illusion that because I know this stuff, I'm better able to do my job. And I think that's one that if you're a senior leader, you should check. Yeah. You should check really hard because actually it's possible you're wasting a lot of everybody's time and it's not helping you do your job at all. You just like to know some stuff. And that ties into the second thing, which is you and I have a model that says that as leaders, as you go from individual contributor to leader, you have to learn a new skill set. And as you go from team level lead to mid-level manager to senior level leader to whatever, every tier you step up, you have to abandon a set of skills. And assumptions, yeah. And you have to pick up new ones. And you have to reevaluate how your calendar works and what you think about and the problems you're trying to solve. Like your role is different. And I actually think that one of the reasons we want all of these nested communication structures is because at some level we're holding on to some things that we used to think were really important. Yep. I can't just go get the information myself. So I'm going to make everyone right. else gather it for me. Because otherwise I wouldn't have it. Yeah but wait, maybe I don't need it. Yeah. Maybe that's no longer part of what yeah. it means for me to be successful in my role. And by the way, the most painful part of all of that that you and I experienced for me wasn't even realizing that once we gathered the information, far too few times did we actually make decisions based off of it. That was painful. But the really painful part was when confronted with decisions that we had to make, we often would not make them. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. I'll never forget the, the situation where you went down and chased all of that project data and created that heat map. It was like a green, yellow, red heat map of like 20 or 30 different projects that Ben chased down and created a beautiful visualization for because the senior leaders involved insisted that they were unable to make a decision without that context. And so Ben went out and got the information and 
we still refused to make a decision. I remember being in the room and we all just looked at it and we we're like, huh, that's interesting. Well, anyway, moving on with our day. And I'm like, okay, so this next slide, th this is beyond just like, we don't know what to do with information once we have it. This is a perhaps a an inclination to avoid making hard decisions or changing yes. things in general. And now we're going to use information as like a scapegoat or an excuse to not do those things. Yes. That is a really bad place to be, by the way. And I think not least of all because of the thing Ben just mentioned, because the gathering of said information is costly, least of all for the people that end up in that room. Yes. There's so many people running around like chickens with their heads cut off to put in the JIRA tickets and to make the thing and mark the spreadsheet and you just stamp this in. And, you know, it's just, it becomes a nightmare. And we, again, that's what we're trying to tell you. That's the end of the line is you end up in this tangled mess of communication that solves very little. And that, that is fundamentally what we're trying to get you to understand. And insofar as you know that communication or understand that communication is not the problem, it's symptomatic of the problem. Yes. And so, so again, you may be correct that when you say, well, I don't know, but we, we're just not communicating well. Yes. And part of the reason you're not is because that's the level of analysis you have. You're just like, I don't know. I think we need to communicate more. I think we need to communicate better. I think we need to communicate less. Whatever it is, you're thinking about it through the lens of communication instead of seeing communication as the tool, as the transmission of information. And there is an influence that you want to have on the organization. There are decisions that you want people to make that they're not making. There's something else behind this. And so when, if you're one of the people out there, I'm not, by the way, I've been there. I've been the person who's like, we need to communicate better. Okay, cool. Got it. It's it's shorthand. People broadly kind of understand it. Do the work to try to understand what do you mean by that? What is behind that need for communication? What would be the purpose of that communication? What would it solve? If it solves you not feeling good because you don't know something, maybe it's actually not that important to communicate. And maybe you shouldn't ask a bunch of people to spend a bunch of time getting you that information. By the way, I'll I'll take that a step further too and say that very much to the direction Ben's speaking to right now, one of the things I would love to see leaders do is let go yeah. and actually feel the feel the catharsis of unburdening yourself of that particular communication. Like you might be surprised at how good it feels so that then you can go focus on more important things, right? Yes, yes. And I think all of that wraps into this space of stop for a moment and go, what is it that I actually need to know or think I need to know? What do other people think I need to know? How am I going to behave differently? How are the people I lead going to behave differently? You may very well come up with some information that needs to be communicated and received and understood and responded to as part of that system. Do that extra step when you're frustrated with communication because otherwise, you're going to end up with more documents. You're going to end up with more emails. You're going to end up with more meetings. You're going to end up with more one-on-ones or conversations. You're going to have a lot of people spending more time and you're not going to meaningfully change anything except for the fact that everybody's now spending more time doing not work. Yeah. I love what you said earlier and it's highly practical. If you're kind of starting to wonder, okay, like, this makes sense to me. You've sold me. What do I do about this? One of the things that Ben mentioned earlier that I couldn't agree with more is 
if you feel like you have write heavy and read light situations, like first off, you should check into that. Yeah. Like if people are spending time making an artifact or making a document and you don't know if people are reading it or not, ask. And if the answer comes back as nobody's reading it, then definitely stop writing it. And by the way, I want to caveat that with like, perhaps there's a specific reason people aren't reading it and you can improve the thing to make it more readable. Fine. Of course, if that's what you think the right call is. But I think that I would love to see leaders actively tearing up those structures because it's not just, you might feel like you're throwing yourself out into the ocean with a boat with no sail by doing that. But what you're actually doing is you're freeing up your organization's focus and bandwidth to do things that are actually important, to do things that actually result in decisions. Speaking of resulting in decisions, that's another thing you can do as a leader. If you go into a meeting where people are just exchanging information, but you feel like you're not sure if decisions are being made, ask the question, hey, everybody, appreciate this meeting. I have a question. What decisions are we going to make with the information we learned today? Yeah. And if everybody just gives you a blank stare, if everyone just gives you a blank stare, I think that that's a solid indicator that maybe that this isn't helpful. Um, And there might be a way you can change it to make it more helpful. Like maybe it's just everybody brings in one slide with four requests for help. Yeah. And that's it. And then that stimulates a conversation about, well, I can help with that. Now you've made a decision. You know, now you didn't have to look at 50 charts to do that, did you? You know, so it's, these are the things that you can do to start changing this stuff today is, I'd say the third one is ask people what they need. If you feel like you're communicating a lot or you feel like you need to communicate more and people are also frustrated for whatever reason, talk to the people that are frustrated and ask them, what do you need to do your job effectively? I guarantee that eight times out of 10, they're going to not say, make me a document. Right, right. Yeah. This also comes back to that idea. One is sometimes I think we communicate via, ironically, a meeting or an email or report or whatever, because we don't want to actually have the the collaborative conversation. I kind of mentioned that earlier. There's another reason I think we communicate. Because again, I'm trying to like give the benefit of the doubt and like going through like, why is it these things happen? What is it that people are looking for? And I think another reason that people struggle in, in the space of communication is we are communicating, we are making those underneath us communicate to us actually often is how this plays out. Because we don't trust people to do the right thing. And so the reason I want to see the slide that has the team health checks on it is because if I don't see that slide, I don't know if you're doing your team health checks. So if I see the slide and it goes like, well, here's the report for the team health check, then I know, ah, got it. Okay, good. You did your team health checks. The interesting thing is if I did a really bad job doing the team health checks or I copied the data from the previous month or whatever. I feel better. I now know that you filled out your team health check. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And there's this thing where or what you could do is set a clear expectation that those team health checks are happening with the person that reports to you or with that, you know, director or, or team lead or whatever. And then trust that they're doing it and maybe verify by occasionally asking a couple leads and, you know, shooting out an an email and being like, hey, guys, the team's healthy. Hey, gals, you guys getting heard. Are they sending you the survey like they're supposed to about, 
you know, whatever's going on. And so one reason I think we, we default to communication and which ends up overloading us is ironically because I think we don't have time to do the thing we should do, which is sit down, have a conversation, collaborate, and seek to understand each other and understand what matters. And then another one is because I think I don't trust you. So I need you to communicate some things to me so that I know you're doing a good job. The problem with the second system is that while it, in some cases, maybe you're justified in not trusting them, it's going to backfire because all of those are gameable. I remember being at an organization where every team submitted a sprint report and everybody was on the same cadence. Everybody had to submit their sprint report. And it became such a game and not a good way. It became this weird game you had to play where you could had to try to finagle exactly the right words in the sprint report and justify why this thing came off so that no one would ask you why your sprint report wasn't fully green if it ever wasn't. And so you were deeply incentivized to manufacture a circumstance where your sprint report was always green. Because all that would happen is that someone would send you angry emails and you'd look incompetent if your team was ever amber or yellow or red or whatever, whatever the colors were, right? And we thought we were communicating valuable information. What we were actually doing is causing everybody to play a silly game about how little time can I spend on this while still providing a compelling story and not having anybody breathing down my neck about problems I know about and I'm already trying to solve. And also what wasn't happening in those sprint reports, and I'd be curious if you remember this as well, rarely did someone show up and say, I saw your team is struggling because of the sprint reports. Do you need help? How could we help you? Yeah. That was not the conversation. If that had been the conversation, people might've been much more inclined to actually take those things seriously because again, they see that the organization is making a decision yeah. based on that information. And that decision is not just, oh, we're going to like throw stones at those people without really being there. We're going to see how we can help them. Oh, okay. You're going to see how you can help me. Oh, I'll fill out my sprint report every time. Because again, a decision is being made. I've influenced things through doing this. When that's not happening or when the influence that I have by communicating honestly is just that like I get in trouble, I am incentivized to dishonesty. Oh yeah. That's the final nail in the coffin, right? Yeah. Is when like everybody's communicating everything all the time with these documents and reports and stuff. And the reports end up becoming a way for someone else to pass judgment on you or to make a judgment about you. And therefore the reports start getting fudged because no one wants to be judged. And then next thing you know, you now have a an organization that is just neck deep in comms, but the comms are all incredibly low fidelity and low trust comms. So you've now just filled up your bucket with crap, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Those are not great places to be. When it actually gets to the point where dishonesty is a strong word, but where everybody's kind of massaging the truth to get by, you know, like... I just, yeah, I could, you know, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi as a, as a force spirit talking to Luke Skywalker, talking about the nature of truth, you know, and, and it's just, what's the line? Oh my goodness. My family's going to kill me for not knowing the this. truth is all dependent on everyone's point of view. Yeah. Many of the truths we cling to depend largely on one's own point of view. Yes. I think something like that. Right. And like, this is well, you don't want to be in that world where everybody's trying to figure out how little and how much of the truth I'm allowed to say so that I can get away with filling out this report or whatever it is. As we close up, I'm going to cover two 
buckets of things. The first one we talked about quite a bit were the traps you can fall into with communication. Um, and then the second one are recommendations that we have for you to apply this in your own companies, your own game studios. So let's talk about the traps really quick, just to, in review. First trap is we value communicating something as opposed to the decisions, changes, or improvements that come from communicating something. Number two, we mask over problems we don't know how to or won't solve by communicating more stuff. Number three, we feel like we have to know a lot of things in order to be effective in our roles as leaders. Number four, we're uncomfortable trusting people to do their jobs without having the validation of the report or the comm. Number five, we confuse having communicated something with reaching an understanding with the receiving party. This one's really, really, really critical. Like, don't mistake having written the JIRA ticket down exactly in all the detail and all of its glorious detail with your team actually understanding the goal. The second thing is what's important. The first one is just a means to that end. So for advice here and moving forward, how to apply. First, always identify the need. If you feel like people are talking about communication a lot, think about what the needs are of the organization or the teams involved. If you don't know what those are, sit down and talk to those folks and ask them. You might be surprised. Number two, communication overload can be just as bad as none at all. We need to accept that we cannot know everything and understand and measure the cost of communicating information. Number three, communication that doesn't result in decision-making is not valuable. Now, I know that this is a hard line in the sand, but I think it's really, really important for you to understand. It's what we get out of communicating that we're going for. Number four, we need to find new ways to deal with struggling comms in a remote world. We know that it's harder and there's more pressure than ever before to communicate a lot of things, to send more emails, to make more documents, because frankly, a lot of us don't know how to interact and collaborate as effectively as we used to now that we're all remote. But just, again, focus on the need and don't imagine a world where you've finally had enough documentation to solve all those problems. Five, when you have the instinct that communication is the problem, ask if it's actually a lack of collaboration. Number six, if you want to get people thinking about the right way to leverage comms, ask your team, hey guys, what decisions are we making with this information? Number seven, check the write slash read ratio on your communications, reports, documents, etc. If the read is much lower than the write, use that as a flag to dig deeper or remove the communication entirely. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next time. Did you enjoy this content? Every two weeks, we will deliver one actionable step that will increase your chances of delivering a successful game straight to your inbox. This is the Building Better Games newsletter. Join game developers across the world and sign up today at www.buildingbettergames.gg newsletter.